Hello, everyone. This is John Mann. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast today. We recorded this episode a few weeks ago, and in it, we discuss issues of justice from over the summer. But in light of what is happening in Louisville and the injustice around the murder of Breonna Taylor, Jalen and I want to be clear that we believe the Chinese church must actively participate in the pursuit of kingdom justice. We hope this episode will be just a part of that ongoing conversation. Thanks again for listening each week. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. All right, Jalen, it's great to be back here with you today, recording another episode of our podcast. How's your week been? Uh, This week has been good. So last night, one of the families at our church wanted to bless us and just kind of thank us for uh, doing ministry. And so they dropped off a tray of sushi for me and Jenny, knowing that we love sushi. And so we were really encouraged by that. Our stomachs were filled. Our hearts were filled. You know, if we have any listeners that are not pastors, I would encourage you to do that for your pastor and your pastor's wife. Drop off a tray of sushi or your favorite food. Just encourage your pastor because we need it. And I was incredibly blessed. So that was definitely a highlight for for my week so far. How about you? How was your week? It's been pretty normal. This week, I recorded worship with a relatively new worship team. So I've been enjoying building into that team and coaching them on playing together. So it's been really good. Also, today, I had Korean barbecue for the first time in probably six months. So that was fantastic. But on the other hand, uh, I did end up having a unrelated ant infestation in my office or in the corner of my office. So it's been one of those days. Well, let's get to our guest. We have Chris Javier on this week. Chris is a lay leader at Chinese Christian Union Church in the Chinatown of Chicago. And he's also finishing up his MDiv at Moody Theological Seminary. Chris is also my brother-in-law, and I know he's a lifelong family friend of yours, John. And so in a lot of ways, this is sort of a family affair. And so I'm glad that we get to have Chris on and and have this this conversation with him. So welcome, Chris. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, John. Thanks for welcoming me. As we get started, or before we really dive into questions about uh, the ministry that you're serving right now, we were wondering if you could just walk us through your ministry journey and then also share with us, how did God call you into serving him? Yeah, so ministry journey started, I would say, back when I was maybe in like junior high, helping out with different ministries around the church. I got called in to, to help teach a Sunday school class once. Uh, God blessed me in two ways for that. One was getting me into ministering and teaching God's word, even if it was just a little Bible study here. But then secondly, it got me into teaching in general. So that's what I do for a profession now. I'm a high school science teacher in Chicago Public Schools. Um, and so from teaching there and working with younger kids, that went into like VBC and then teaching a little bit older kids, like fourth and fifth graders, Sunday school, uh, and then eventually becoming a youth counselor for our high school youth group. So I've been serving in that for 10 years now. And from there, uh, God really broke me as a servant, but even just as a son of his and uh, disciplined me, taught me a lot of things. And from being a KS counselor, I started serving in adult ministries, getting pulled into some of those things. And then a couple of years ago, I was elected onto the deacon board. So it's just kind of been a natural flow. I feel like there hasn't really been a spot in my life where I've tried to you know, reach a goal for serving. It's just been kind of me being carried along um, in his plan for me. As I served as a high school counselor, I served with a bunch of my friends, same age, same age group. 
And so we served for a couple of years. And what I noticed was for them, after a couple of years, God was calling them to different things. For me, I felt that after three, four years of serving there, that my passion for serving the high school youth only intensified, right? And so I just continued with that. And as that grew, I learned that it wasn't just serving high school, it was really serving uh, my church and now serving my community and beyond. So that's kind of the, the path that he's had me on. Yeah, I know that for all three of us, actually having grown up at Chinese Christian Union Church, there were a lot of opportunities for us to serve. And I know for me, it was it was a huge blessing to be in a place where I got my feet wet, so to speak, in ministry. And it really was a launching pad for God to show me what ministry could look like, should look like, and kind of be you know a place where I, I did feel my call to, to going into ministry. As we mentioned, CCUC is in Chinatown in Chicago. That's a unique context. What are the benefits and even the drawbacks of being a church in the middle of Chinatown? Yeah, that's a great question. And truth be told, I don't think I really thought about this until the last like three years. Because for us being a church in Chinatown, we're also a five congregation church. We've got uh, English, Cantonese, Mandarin. We've got CCUC South, which is in, a little bit farther removed in Bridgeport. And then CCUC West in the suburbs. And so in the English congregation, it can be easy to, you know, a lot of people are commuting, coming in, and then you just do church with the people that you see. You go out for lunch somewhere and then you peace out. So you, you go home, you do your own thing. I grew up in Darien. Uh, and so that was definitely true before. But even when I moved in my adulthood to Chicago, it was the same way. We would come to Chinatown, we would do church. And the only interaction we really had with Chinatown was the restaurants. That was it. We go eat, but we didn't know Chinatown. You don't naturally get to know the neighbors in Chinatown unless you're intentional about it. The blessing, I guess, the benefit of being in Chinatown is that there's ample ministry opportunities everywhere. We are surrounded by new immigrants every year. They're, they're coming in. Uh, they're changing the landscape of Chinatown and the harvest is plentiful there. And I think one of the drawbacks then is that the fact that the harvest is plentiful presents a challenge because for us being English congregation, many of us are not language equipped. Like you guys know me, I have zero, I have zero language. And so that can be an obstacle and it can be such a big obstacle that I think a lot of the English congregation and English congregants probably everywhere can look around and say, well, maybe this isn't my ministry. And so that can paralyze you as a, as a congregation because what, what is your ministry? But what I have realized in the last couple years is that if we make an effort as an English congregation to get out and know our neighbors, to get out and get to know our local community orgs, God works powerfully through that. What I see now in hindsight is that God has been calling us into that. And we've been too focused inwardly on ourselves to really look out beyond our four walls. I've been really blessed in the last couple of years, especially the last couple of months, to see our church coming together to overcome that obstacle and start to reach out as a family into, into Chinatown intentionally. That's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think one of the things that you said earlier, which is it can be intimidating or even an obstacle to really caring for your community because of language issues, like your, the English congregation, they are maybe not fluent in Cantonese. And so what are some ways that you've seen the English congregation really try to bridge those gaps? It is a huge challenge, but I think the heart of it is really humbling ourselves. Maybe we don't have the language capacity, so we might not be front and center in the ministry to Chinatown. Is that okay? Like, are you willing to come to a ministry and just do the background stuff? Be in the background, be setting up, be supporting people who are language equipped. I think it's a difficult shift. I don't think it's necessarily pride. I think it's just like a paradigm shift. I, I even think about youth ministry, right? I, I have 
the gifts that I need. I'm well equipped for that. I don't really need anyone from any other congregation. I've got me, I've got my team, we got God's word, and we're going to go out and do the ministry. And there's like 10 tasks that we're responsible for. But when you switch over to another ministry, I'll give you an example. I've been working with a group that has been ministering to combat human trafficking in Chinatown. Now, the tough thing is that as we go, what the ministry is built on, it's called New Name. And what we do is we equip our female volunteers to go to spas and we go to different places where there, there might be trafficking and we just build relationships. Now, our group, not everybody in our group has the language capacity because mo most of the people we're min ministering to are Mandarin women. And so if you look at our group, if we've got like six males, six females, and of the six females, only two or three are language equipped, the question is, what are the, the nine of us doing? And what the nine of us can do is we can pack bags, right? We can write notes, we can pray, we can drive our women to these spas and just provide a little bit of assurance and prayer in the car as they go out and they build the relationships. That has been one of the most humbling things for me as a servant to not be seen at all. And that's a, that's a shameful thing to say, but as a youth counselor, you're front and center. All of us have been at teen camp. Um, Jalen, you, you've led our team camps and we're in front of everyone. And there's, there's something exciting about that. And there's something that is needed in, in that ministry. But to sit in a car after having spent, you know, a couple hours packing a bag, just drive around and sit in a car and pray. I felt a different sense of the spirit. God saying to me, like, this is it. This is the ministry right here. And it's the same way in Chinatown. Uh, I'll give you another example. We've been doing food distributions and the food distributions uh, during this pandemic have been such an eye-opening blessing experience. God has been pouring into the church. He's been pouring into me through this. And one thing that I love is that our English congregation, we're showing up in numbers and we're a well-oiled machine by now. We just finished our ninth food distribution. When we get there, uh, we basically have this setup where we go around and we get these bags prepared. We can get that done. But with the Cantonese and the Mandarin congregants, they're going out and they're ministering to the people. So we're taking care of the physical needs and we're supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ as they go address the spiritual needs. And that to me was just eye-opening on this is the way that a five congregation church can come together and use all of the gifts, all of the different callings uh, to move forward in unison. And it's been a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, one of our earlier guests, Pearson, he shared with us just this uh, way of looking at partnership that I really was blessed by. And I think that I'm seeing it in you guys at CCUC, which is that partnership is not just stepping aside and allowing someone to do what God calls them to do, but really partnering with and uh, joining with the work, no matter what it is, no matter what background or ground level activity it might be, uh, which I'm seeing in you guys. And so I think that's really awesome. I would say even now, that, that's presenting the times when I've seen the most unity. And so to put on those, um, those distributions, we meet every single Monday. That's all five congregations are represented there. Those meetings have, I guess, by and large, they've been very, very smooth. There have been a, a few explosive meetings. And that I realize at every serving path of ministry, I've had meetings like those, whether it's serving the youth, whether it's um, on an English ministry team, overseeing adult ministries, in the deacon board, like those conversations can get heated. And um, that's also been another blessing because I know that for Chinese churches, that disunity is probably one of Satan's biggest weapons, right? Just sowing discord, um, sowing division, and then building up factions from there. And one thing that I've come to learn in this season is that I think disunity is the natural state of things. We evolve into that just as, as human beings, but to move forward, to address it, 
and then to, to move beyond it and move forward together, um, that is the calling. God has really called us to be peacemakers. Yeah, I love that you guys are working together and it blesses the community, right? I think you're not just pursuing unity just so that things are peaceful in your own house, but that you are being gospel witnesses through that unity. So, you know, as you shared about the food distribution, you've shared about addressing human trafficking, you're still an ethnic church in an ethnic enclave. And so how do surrounding communities view CCUC? I think even outside of the Chinatown neighborhood, obviously in Chicago, there are a lot of different communities that are very uh, ethnic or racially specific or segregated even. Do you get a sense of what people or what communities perception of CCUC is? I don't think many people outside of our community know CCUC. And I think it's because we haven't like made ourselves known. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're in Chinatown, we're surrounded um, by Chinese and our step right now is really step one is, is getting into Chinatown. How do we really know the needs of our neighbors? How do we become a blessing to them? Clearly the next calling for us is to go beyond. So the first calling was for us to get beyond the four walls and into our neighborhood. All five congregations, let's do that. The next calling is clearly to move beyond that, right? How do we go beyond just Chinatown and start to be a blessing um, to other neighborhoods? And I guess it was uh, shocking to me that even that calling that I think is very natural, you know, in the book of Acts, right? When Christ appears and he says, I'm going to call you, you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. And it's kind of just it's like spreading, right? And I feel like that's the call for, for every church, but that was actually a point of um, contention for our church. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, there were some, some of our younger members in our congregation wanted to go, you know, eight blocks west and eight blocks south and start to minister there. And there was concern from other people saying, well, if you're going, if you want to focus all those resources, eight blocks west and eight blocks south, who's going to focus on the resources on us? Like, we're still a church. We still need to be ministered to. And I hear those two needs as, as both of them being absolutely right. We can't look eight blocks west and eight blocks south and not even know our own neighborhood. That's not right. We can't look eight blocks west and south and then not even know the needs within our church. So I I absolutely hear that. But on the other end of things, it's like if we're so focused on ourselves, which I think we have been for a long time, that's why nobody knows us. It's interesting when we go out and serve, you know, Chinatown's a busy tourist spot. And so there are tours being let. And as I'm walking by, you know, we're, we're doing our food distribution. We go out and do street cleaning those same days. And so as I'm going by, um, I hear this guy saying, and this is CCUC. And, and as I'm walking away, you know, his voice kind of trails off. And I'm wondering to myself, like, what, what do they say? You know, this is like a non-Christian group. I'm sure they talk about the history, but man, like, what do they say? And maybe the more important question is, what would God want them to be saying? what story would we be writing, right? So that they could be like, this is what the church does. And the beautiful thing is, what I take comfort in is as he was given that tour, um, you see the community lined up waiting to get food from our church. And so I'm hoping that that gets into that. Now for other neighborhoods, I'm not sure what they think, but I know that if our next step is to really start to be a blessing, to carry the burdens of the people of the neighborhoods around us, the first step is for us to know those burdens, to, to know our neighbors. And to that end, we really want to get to know some of the nearby churches. We partnered with a church called Progressive Baptist Church back in June to put on a march for, it was a prayer march for uh, Asian American Christians for Black Lives and Dignity. And so that was really the start. And I hope um, we will be continuing that this year 
of building relationships with surrounding communities and surrounding community churches with the goal of understanding their context, understanding their needs, supporting them, but then also inviting them into our context, sharing our context with them and then sharing our needs. I'm not sure how they see us right now, but I know the path seems pretty clear that we've got work to do and I wanna answer that question in, uh, in a year. I think the, the answer will be a lot more uh, inspiring. Yeah, you know, both of those churches have been in that part of Chicago for, I think, over 100 years each. And I guess growing up at CCUC, I didn't even know that that church existed. And they're just like, what, a mile away or a mile and a half away? I think one mile, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's fantastic that you guys are are partnering together, even though you're starting with something, quote unquote, small, because the march from the pictures I saw, the video I saw, it didn't look very small. What was it like that day as you guys were uh, walking from Chinatown south on Wentworth towards Progressive Baptist? Man, that was a beautiful day. I wish, I wish that I was able to enjoy it. Jalen was with us. You know, he was walking with his son. My family was in, in the group. And it was a beautiful thing just even to see so many people. Sure, it was a lot of Asian American Christians. There was a lot of Black Christians. But there were so many other racial groups, ethnicities represented there, and everybody coming together in love and support. Uh, that was a beautiful thing. I did not get to enjoy it that day because I was uh, security. Um, and so, you know, this was, this was ju in June. And I mean, things are tense right now, but things were really, you know, a big question mark then. And so as we were getting this ready, there had been riots before that. And so there was a, a real fear and I completely understand it within the community that this prayer march, despite us trying to get the word out and us presenting this as a peaceful march, it's a prayer march. It's a cooperation between churches uh, showing love to one another. Despite that, when you hear the word march, our community, Chinatown, they were fearful. And so there, there were rumors going around and, and there was chatter of people saying, hey, um, on this day, you got to be really, really careful. You got to board up businesses. You might have to close. You know, just a couple of days before it, people were like, hey, why are you bringing this to Chinatown? You know, this is dangerous for us. And as we were presented with that as leaders, the people who were organizing the march, I think it was very heartbreaking for us. But I also understood that I don't think there was any explanation that would have sufficed for them. But my hope was that after the march took place, that there would be no explanation necessary. There's, there's no amount of words I could say to, to take away the, the fear, but I, I really wish that more of Chinatown could, could have come out and, and seen what happened that day because it was beautiful. You saw churches praying for one another. Um, and one of the most powerful things that I don't think the Chinatown community has heard enough of is that we passed by a spot where in February of this year, a Chinatown resident was murdered. There was a double murder and it was at the hands of a black man. And the community was really, really sad, uh, really, really angry. And I went to the vigil and it was just such a muted sense. Chinatown, I don't know how much I see like community members coming out, but there were so many people who came out that week and I felt such a sense of lostness. People being angry and not knowing to do with that anger people being afraid and not knowing to do with that fear. There was outrage and they didn't know where to put it. And we passed by that spot. And to have a member of the black community come up and pray for that family and pray for victims in Chinatown of crime from the black community, it was a powerful thing. And then to have at that same station, 
a member of the Chinese community go up and then pray that we would not let this event cause racism and hatred and bigotry, but that the church would step in and be a part of the healing process. Like I would bring healing through the church. That was a very, very powerful thing. And so that's what that day was about. That day was about us coming together and getting beyond some of the pain together. We marched there from Chinatown up past CCUC, past our church, and then towards Progressive Baptist Church. And that just signified us saying, hey, as Asian American Christians, we need to take our ministry and go beyond our churches and into other communities. So it was a beautiful day. That's fantastic. You know, something that we've talked about in previous weeks is what is going to be the role or the the place of the Chinese church within the kingdom and really trying to figure out what's our contribution to the kingdom. You know, I think one of my deep hopes is that the Chinese church would be reconcilers and bridge builders across different communities. And seeing you guys do that, it really fills me with a lot of joy. I'll say that I think that March took place maybe about a month and a half after I moved to San Jose. And just the homesickness and this deep desire to like be back in Chicago hit so hard that Sunday. I was definitely, yeah, just feeling how much I missed Chicago and missed, you know, just the partnerships and friendships and fellowship that we had serving together. You know, when you bring up the Chinese church's role in the kingdom and like even in our nation today, I really do feel like it's exactly what you said to be reconcilers. And I'll just tell you to be a peacemaker. We've already talked about it in, you know, our our board meetings, you know, in our ministry groups. That's one thing. But to be a peacemaker between races, that's a crazy calling. And man, I, I could just tell you that sometimes it feels like that, even for that march, it felt like we were having one hand reached out towards the Black community and, and holding on to them and just trying to feel their pain and share their pain and support them in their pain. And then at the same time, keeping our hand on Chinatown. And what we felt was that sadly, like as you try to do both, you just kind of get torn. You know, like It just feels like you're just getting pulled um, in a lot of different directions. And that hasn't changed from that day, June 28th, it, you know, a couple months later, there have been more issues where it's just so hard to continue to be peacemakers. Even for friends, for example, that will say issues of police, like how do we love police? How do we make sure that we're saying, like, no, we, we're going to pray for our police officers, we're going to support them, and at the same time, hold on to the people who are calling for accountability and calling for um, safety. And it's one of those things where it's like, even as the world is telling you to let go of one, you can't do it. And so it's been such a heart-wrenching process, but I think that's the calling. And I think that's where for us as Chinese Americans, we live in that struggle because of sort of the duality of cultures that we find ourselves in. We're both Chinese and American. And so we have that internal struggle of we're in one sense kind of pulled towards one cultural ideal or pulled towards the other cultural ideal. And for us who have grown up in immigrant homes in America, we feel the tension of how do I exist as a Chinese American? And I think for us as the church, as a Chinese church, we occupy this unique space, kind of the in-between, because we've grown up in it. We, we experience it every day. And so I think that's a, a huge contribution that we have for being bridge builders and peacemakers. We know what it's like, and uh, we don't necessarily have the answers. I think all of us continue to struggle between being able to fit in well with majority culture while at the same time also being able to honor our immigrant parents well. And so we might not have all the answers, but we do understand the struggle and we are figuring our way through it. 
I guess, in that thinking, five congregations, how are they partnering together for evangelism outreach? You've already talked about like community outreach, but what are some ways that you guys are intentionally meeting or having conversation to uh, have unity for the betterment of the community? There's different ways to bless our community when it comes to food distribution. Not a problem. All five congregations come together. We're moving forward. We flew through that. After George Floyd's death and the, the riots that happened, we wanted to go out and, and clean the streets. And that Sunday morning, our church was out there on the streets. We started in Chinatown. We moved around. That was also represented by most of the congregations. Not a problem, no question. When we moved to the issue of racial injustice, totally different. And I think that the difficulty there is that the views on supporting people in pandemic, cleaning up for damaged businesses, and then how Black lives and dignity are seen. They're no pun intended, but it's not like a black and white issue um, to many people within our church. I think that is the work. One thing that's been haunting me since June 28th, almost immediately after our march, our hashtag was end the silence. And one of the things on some of the signs were this is the end of silence. This is us speaking out as a church. And if I look back through my Instagram, that week and the weeks leading up to it was all about racial injustice, was all about finding the voice, going to a Juneteenth rally and learning, learning from different Black speakers and Black pastors and Black voices, Black leaders. And after the march, having to deal with a lot of the different, I guess, confusions, but also views and viewpoints from people within the church, um, it became very clear that that's where the ministry needs to be. Like before we go out and start, you know, shouting out to the world, we're not on the same page. We're going to fall off as we try to walk that tightrope. So there was external silence from that point. But what's happening internally is that there are really important conversations that are happening within leadership teams to discuss this issue. And that's where the work is is being done. And I think when Jesus talks about the kingdom, he's, he um, gives like the example of like a, a mustard seed. It grows into like a big tree. That's something that's fantastic that can be seen. And then also dough, you know, that yeast gets mixed into. And that's kind of like an invisible thing. I think the external silence seems pretty large right now, but the internal conversations are are a beautiful thing. And so I think that's really one of the challenges of being in a five congregation church. Like that's not to say like all the English is uh, united on this. There are many views. And what I want to make sure that I'm doing is that I'm not devaluing anybody's views. I want to be hearing them. I want to be engaging them. I'm Facebook friends with a lot of people from our different congregations and the things that they're posting on Facebook, they're just so every end of the spectrum, every end of the spectrum you're seeing. And it's heart wrenching for me. It's been heart wrenching just seeing like, Oh, this person's really, really hateful towards police. Oh, this person's really, really hateful towards the people who are hateful towards police. And then there's, you know, so many different things in the middle. And what I've found myself having to do is just with so many different voices, saying so many different things, making sure that I'm taking time to shut those voices down and to focus on God's word. A retreat has been just learning some like biblical Hebrew. This has been just really, really nice to to sit back and just write my alphabet and then just pray. Because sometimes what I can find myself doing is you go through a, a Facebook scroll or I go through like one of my pastor friends, he, he has, he's just nonstop on, on posts. And then his posts have like 80 comments on there and they're, they're all fighting each other. And I've got the popcorn out, but my heart is like, even as I'm trying to learn what the different viewpoints are, my heart is like breaking too. And so I just need that break sometimes, you know, I would turn that question back to you, you know, as we look to our role right now in this time, 
uh, you guys are in, in different ministry capacities. How do you balance the voices? You know, because the world is screaming at us right now, like, you know, in, in so many different directions. So how do you guys deal with that? Yeah, you know, I think for me, what you just said, that's the truth you want to hold on to, right? That above all those different voices that we would hold on to God's word and his heart. I think the thing for me that's been really helpful is understanding how in the heart of God or in his character exists both justice and mercy and and all these other different characteristics that sometimes seem very contradictory, right? Like how can they exist together? And for myself, when I look at these two different uh, parts of God's character of his justice, but also his mercy, I really find that they work together, that they really both have the same goal, that they have the same purpose, which is to bring about restoration in a broken world and in broken people into what God wanted from the beginning, which is his kingdom and relationship with him. And I think that as we uh, hold on to both pieces of God's character, we're going to learn how to really live those out in the communities around them. And in some of those communities, we really, really have to exemplify compassion and mercy. But in other communities, we really have to join them in their call for justice. And I think both of those things really grab onto the heart of God. I have to remind myself constantly that a lot of these people are my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's possible for us to have a different perspective and even disagreement and to still be the family of God. And it's hard to look at somebody who doesn't understand or see things the way that you do and to make them the villain. But that is still my brother or sister in Christ. And I have to ask the Lord to forgive me for harboring any resentment or bitterness towards that person. And then the second thing is to pray for wisdom, not just for myself, but for my brothers and sisters. James talks about the difference between an earthly demonic wisdom versus a godly wisdom. And in James chapter three, it says the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's what we want to be about as God's people, even if we have disagreement. And that requires godly wisdom. And so that's something that I find myself praying for daily because you're right. There are so many competing voices. There are so many different perspectives. And if we latch on to earthly wisdom, it will cause division. It will cause selfish ambition or jealousy, but that's not the wisdom that comes from above. And so I think as the church, we need to pray so much more for God's wisdom to fill our hearts and minds. And as you're saying, Chris, a lot of that starts with going back to God's word. And John, as you're saying, just clinging to the character of God. Yeah, man, that's such a great reminder you know, Chris, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, just as, yeah, as we wrap up, what is, uh, what's one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone serving in the Chinese church context or Chinese ministry context that you would pass on to someone that's coming behind you? Yeah, I think one thing that I'd pass on is if we are living in the victory um, that Jesus Christ has already claimed, then every obstacle is an opportunity. That, uh, I don't think I understood that early on in ministry, but hindsight has been clear. And I'll just end with a quick like story. In my second year of being a KS counselor, I was asked to step down. You know, I was just really irresponsible, just out of college kid. And uh, I, was, I was late to some meetings. I, we met on Friday nights and sometimes I just, I fell asleep and I woke up at nine and I was like, whoops, you know, and one of my brothers in Christ, he, he came up to me, he drove to my apartment. He was like, hey, we're gonna have to ask you to step down. And that was crushing to me. That was crushing to me then. 
And what God really used in that conversation, he used, uh, you know, my brother coming up to me to really like shake me awake, to be like, hey, if this is my calling for you, do you really want to take hold of it? Or are you just going to keep messing up? And so I, I actually had to beg him that day. I said, hey, I know I've messed up. Give me one more chance. You know, he, he didn't have it in him to, to finish me off, you know, to, to <laughs> just like put me down. Um, and so he's like, all right. So that was the beginning of the journey, I think. You know, God really waked me up. I sometimes dread a meeting if I know it's going to be a, a difficult situation or a tough conversation. Uh, and what I'm getting more and more com comfortable with is that, like, this is God's calling. Like, we can't avoid uh, this path. We can't step off of it. Let's, let's walk forward uh, confidently. And so, yeah, I think that would be it, that every, every obstacle uh, would be an opportunity to grow and to just to do God's will. Love it. Thanks so much, Chris. We appreciate your time and appreciate you sharing your heart and your ministry work. I want to encourage you to keep pressing on in ministry, keep pressing on in seminary and your Hebrew. Thanks for joining us. I just want to say before I go, I'm, I was really honored to be here. I was a little bit nervous. And I was telling Natalie, like, this is such a great opportunity to share what God's been doing in my life. But I, I, I'm really honored because I get to spend some time just talking faith with two people that I've, I've grown a lot from watching you do life, uh, from doing ministry with you. But you guys have been constantly a, a blessing from God and that he's, he's put you guys forward as like posts that I can look at and um, have really guided me. So uh, it's been a blessing. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for those kind words, Chris. You just bought your ticket to a uh, second session to record again. <laughs> Sounds good, man. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.